Well, hey, everyone. Welcome to Grace Church. My name is Josh. I'm one of the pastors here and excited to be together this weekend. Thanks for tuning in online if you're uh, catching us on there. And thanks for being here if you're able to make it. I hope you guys had a great 4th of July. I personally just um, sat around all day eating food and sweating. And so uh, now I'm very grateful for air conditioning and, uh, and trying to eat less. And so I hope you had a great holiday week. We've been in a series called Made for This. We're in our fourth week now, and so if you've missed any of those conversations, you can hop on the app or, or jump online and catch up through those. But really what we've been doing is we've been tracking through the book of Ephesians, and we'll continue in that today. And we've been trying to ask the question, what happens when we accept Christ into our life? What does God do in and through us? And what we've said is that what God does when we accept Christ and begin to follow him is that he actually makes us into someone completely different that he recreates us. Rather than just trying to uh, make our lives as they are a little bit better or just kind of add God into it or even just make a better version of ourselves, or get more cleaned up and get our act together, he's actually trying to make us into something completely different. He's recreating us. That the Christian life is really about figuring out who God has called me to be. And we've been seeing that in the book of Ephesians. We've kind of laid some important groundwork the first week, we talked about how we were dead in sin and that now we've been made alive. That it's, that's, it's something that's completely different. It's contrasted that we were dead and now we're alive. And another way we said that was that we were in darkness and now we're in the light. That something different has happened. We, totally, uh, we have a totally different way of seeing life now that we understand that we've been called to something different than where we were at before. And so we laid that foundation in this verse. We've been coming back to it again and again, Ephesians 2.10, for we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So what's happening is we said we have a new identity in Christ, that he's given us a different purpose and that he has told us who we are. We don't have to find our own identity. We don't have to assign it to ourselves, but that he tells us who we are. And he's actually created us for good works, that we have this new identity and that we have other, there's other believers in the church who want to pursue him and know him as well, and who are on the same path that we are. And so we have a unity with them. And we kind of share that identity, we share that pursuit and knowing him more and more and discovering what he's called us to. What are the good works he's laid out for us? Last week we were in Ephesians 4, and starting in verse 1 it said, As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. And so what we understand about this calling and what we were made for is that we didn't earn it. That we have been assigned something, we've been given something that we didn't earn. It's a calling that we have already and we're living it out. We're not trying to get our lives together and get to the point where we can be worthy of that identity, but instead we've been given it and we're continuing to work it out in our lives every day. And so it's something that we work toward and we continue to grow in. So last week we talked about spiritual maturity it's a trajectory that we're on. And as we kind of are in that family together, as we've been brought from death to life, we begin to continue to grow and grow and grow more into who God has called us to be. It's not something we're trying to earn. It's not something that we can attain. And then finally, we're worthy of that identity. Instead, it's something that's been given to us and we continue to walk it out. This weekend, what we're going to do is we're going to uh, continue on in Ephesians. We'll still be in Ephesians 4, and we're going to understand that calling a little bit more. How do I actually live this new calling out? And what we're going to do today is we're primarily going to talk about change. We're going to primarily today talk about change. And what we're going to do in setting up change is we're saying that God meets us at a place where we are, but he doesn't just leave us there. He actually wants to take us somewhere different. 
that God meets us where he's at so he can take takes us where we need we, where we need to go. I was talking with Pastor Jeff and we were just kind of saying what's all this series leading to and it's the fact that God's drawing us closer to himself. And a part of that's going to be that we're going to have to change as we understand this calling more and more things are going to be different. And there are a few things that as I thought about what actually allows us to change is one of the first things is just that it's so difficult that we can't actually make people change. We can't force it on them. There actually has to be a greater motivation uh, to want to do something different than what we were doing before because what is normal and kind of the default makes sense to us. It's what's comfortable. And if something's going to draw us to change, it has to have a greater motivation. We kind of have to allow it and invite it and seek it out. And I think what is the motivation um, in any kind of change that's going to be radical in your life and is going to be lasting is that we change because of relationship. We change because of relationship. We don't change just because um, we think it's a good idea, but because we're actually being drawn to someone who we want to know and love and walk with. And so I was thinking, I recognized this early on. Uh, I was thinking back to the first few years I was married when me and Sarah had first uh, gotten together and we were living together and trying to figure out how do we kind of do life now. And what was so challenging was uh, there was just so many things to figure out how to work together and stuff that had to change in me. And I figured it out over time, you know, all of a sudden it'd be something real small and be like, hey, why is it that you're leaving the dishes at the table and just kind of walking off and going and doing your thing? It's like, oh, that's just, I kind of didn't even know what to do with the dishes. Like, let me show you. Like, you're going to start washing the dishes with me now. And it's like, okay, great. Figuring out that dishes go in the dishwasher. Didn't really grow up knowing that. It was something that had to change. She was real gentle with me, too, and and real kind about it. She's like, hey, is there like a reason why the clothes can only make it to the outside of the basket and they can't actually like get inside of it? And I was like, you know, I I just kind of throw it over there. And growing up, it just always got picked up somehow. And she's like, oh, you mean what what your mom used to do for you? She's like, I'm not your mom. (laughs) And so I was learning just these small things. It's like, okay, I'm not on my own anymore. I'm not just living at college. I'm not living at home. I'm married. I'm trying to pursue this, this, uh, this woman I love and show her that I love her. And so things are gonna have to change so that we can live together, so that we can walk more closely and that she can so- show her that I love her, that I wanna, wanna do life with her. And so I'm willing to make those changes. They're easier. I wouldn't even know about them until she so graciously pointed them out in my life. And I'm drawn to change and become somebody different. And that's what God's doing is he's actually calling us to something different. And we're kind of at a point where we have to respond, am I going to allow and invite him to do that in my life? Do I desire that relationship with him so close, wanting to walk with him so closely that I'm willing to give up and change whatever it was that kept me away from him? The other thing, just setting it up, not only do we have to be willing and kind of inviting change into our life, we kind of have to make that decision to allow God to change us. But we also have to understand why God wants us to change. I don't think God's just standing off from a distance looking at you and thinking of all the ways that you just failed to measure up and um, you, he just doesn't like the way you look. I think the main reason that God is asking us to change is because there's a normal way of life that he found us in and he's calling us to something better. That actually we're at a place where we're trapped and, and moving further away from him and instead he's actually setting us free to the life that we were actually made for. And so when God asks us to change, it isn't just to be nitpicky or just to be overly judgmental or critiquing and just looking at all the external things of your life and saying, you just won't measure up, you just won't measure up, keep changing, keep changing, keep changing. 
He's actually drawing us closer to him. He actually wants us to walk closely with him. And I think that's, it's hard because what comes natural to us isn't always going to be what's best. And he's saying, I want to kind of open you up to a new way of thinking. I want you to see that the way of life that you know right now actually is going to send you down a trajectory that I don't want you to go. I actually have something better than what you originally anticipated or what you could come up with on your own. And so we're going to be in Ephesians 4 today, verses 17 through 24, and we're going to try to do two different things. The first part of our talk today is going to really focus on what is that former way of life, kind of the default way of living that just everyone in the world goes? The place that God's calling me out of. What does that place look like, that former way of life? What is God asking me to leave behind to follow him? So we're going to examine that kind of in the first part of today's message. And the second part of the chapter that we're in is really going to show the process of change. How is God going to work in my life? We probably don't really have time to dial into one specific thing, Um, or to really go through all the different scenarios that God might be doing in your life as he draws you closer to him. But what we can do is understand the way that he changes us and how he's going to work in our life. That way we can recognize it and enter into that process with him and um, and engage him and walk more closely with him. And so uh, Ephesians 4, 17 through 24, here in verse 17 starting, it says, So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So we're talking about this old way of life and what the author does here to kind of draw that out is he starts to bring up this idea of the Gentile. We talked about it a few weeks ago. The reason the Gentiles are so important is because of who they contrasted in the Bible. The Jews were the people who knew God, had his revelation, lived life walking with him and understanding his plan for their life. And the Gentiles were everybody else. They were everyone who didn't have God's revelation. They were not God's people. They didn't want to walk or even know how to walk with God. And so the Gentiles are meant to contrast this kind of way of just going along with what the world does, the way that's kind of apart from what God wants, the way that just kind of is going through the motions and what just makes sense to us. And what it is is really it's a futility of their thinking. What that word means, futile, is the fact that it is void of aim or a goal. And so while, while we're just navigating life the way everybody else does or the way that just makes sense to us, we actually don't know where it's going. Or if we have an idea of where we want it to go, we actually might not be able to get there because we're humans and we're limited and we're not able to have total control of our lives. And so it's futile to, in the thinking that I can actually navigate life on my own or just going through the motions and doing what everyone else does will get me to the place that God wants me to be. That's not what I was made for. It continues saying this, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. And so you start to see that Gentile idea being separated from the life of God, that this is a way of life that isn't really under his definition and direction. It's just kind of what's being made up. They're darkened in their understanding. There's no clarity to what it, where their life is actually leading. They can only see in the present what makes sense to them in the moment. That really what it stems from is this word ignorance. And what we mean by ignorance is just the fact that they don't know. They're not raising their fist to God and saying, I'm going to do something different. It's the fact that they don't know God. They don't know what he wants for them. He's not on their radar. And so they're just kind of doing what everyone else does. It's not that they're against God. It's just that they're kind of 
floating along. It's just ignorance. They don't know anything different. But what it begins to lead to is it kind of gets to this position of where we examine what the heart is beginning, happening in the heart. And what's going on is it's beginning to harden. It's beginning to actually become resistant to any kind of change. I kind of get set in my ways. It starts to, I start to hear in the world enough. I can start to watch other people do it. And I start to be convinced if everyone else is doing it, then that just must be what I need to do. And I become convinced and I get set in my way and I become defensive and um, resist anything that's gonna change what makes sense to me. It says they've lost all sensitivity. They have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity and they're full of greed. They're not actually aware. They're, they're kind of blocking it out and saying, listen, I, I don't really want anything to change me. I kind of like life the way it is. I've just given myself over to what makes sense to me. I'm just gonna self-indulge and pursue what works best for me. It doesn't really matter about anyone else. It doesn't really matter about any standards. I'm just gonna kind of pursue my way of life. And it kind of becomes this pathway that's full of greed that I'm set on just myself, what I want, when I want it, and uh, what I want. There's no real regard to anyone else or anything else. And so this is this old way of life. It's just kind of the default way that our lives lead if we just go through the motions and go through life the way that everyone else does. And God's saying, this is the part of life I want to call you out of. But I think to actually get our heads around it, we have to understand what this life really looks like. Not just kind of say, okay, um, I, I can't do... Um, all these external things that the world does. What we have to actually understand is why that kind of thinking and why that kind of life is leading us in the wrong, wrong direction. One of the ways that we saw that was ignorance. It's that word of they just don't know. It's void of direction. They're wandering aimlessly. I think that that's a huge part of, of our lives when we're kind of not walking with God. We're kind of just doing whatever made sense in the moment. We're not actually thinking through if we're pursuing God or not pursuing Him. It's kind of just going through the motions. Um, the way I kind of think about ignorance, actually, uh, something happened to me this week. That was just kind of that ignorant moment. I wasn't trying to make a mistake. I just kind of didn't know what I wasn't doing, didn't know that this was going to happen. I was putting our boys to bed, and I, so we have two boys, and one of them is, is fairly easy. I can just give him his blanket and set him in the crib. He's lights out. The other one's a little bit more difficult. Uh, he's, he's about three and a half, and so there's kind of like a whole, uh, it's like entertainment, basically, to get him to go to sleep. And so, you know, you're singing songs, you're reading books, there's, there may be dancing involved, um, any, all sorts of things, anything to get them to finally unwind and go to bed. And so I'm kind of there near the end of the routine, and I start to smell something funny. And I remembered what I did before I went to put the kids down was I turned the stove on to get some tea boiling. And I was going to put the kids down to sleep, and I was going to have some tea when I was done. And I didn't think anything about it until that moment. I started to smell, and I was like, does that smell like me? Or does that smell like him or like what what is that and I kind of am questioning what the smell is and all of a sudden I hear the smoke detector go off so I like run downstairs and I'm looking what's going on and there's just smoke all on the first floor and <laughs> I go over to the burner to like look at the tea and the tea's not boiling at all instead the other burner is on and what was sitting on it was our Brita or what used to be our Brita and uh, it just was completely melting. And I'm like trying to take it off the burner. It's just like liquid all over the ground. I'm just like freaking out. And so my son starts coming downstairs. Like there's smoke. The alarm's going off. And he's like, what's going on, Dad? I'm like, go back upstairs. Everything's okay. Just live in ignorance. Pretend like everything's all right. So I send him upstairs. And I'm trying to figure out how to fan all the smoke out. I'm thinking we may have to move. I don't know how to get all this nastiness out. And um, just realizing how big of a mistake it was. But I wasn't purposely trying to 
burn the Brita. I wasn't trying to burn down my house. I was just trying to make some tea. I turned on the wrong burner. And it was just a moment of a mishap. And I let it sit for so long, and I was just kind of living life, just kind of figuring out my routine for that evening, and lo and behold, it's just sitting there boiling. <laughs> and that's kind of how this way of life is for the Gentiles. A part of it's just ignorance. It's just, I've, this is kind of what I've seen everyone else do. I don't really know where it's going to lead. They seem to be happy. It seems to be what everyone else is doing. And so it just makes sense to me. And I'm just going to try to navigate life based upon what I see everyone else doing or what comes most natural to me. The other part of this former way of life is actually a little bit more aggressive. I call it like this way of defiance. There's actually a little bit more purposefulness in my rejection of wanting to change. And I don't think any of us would really identify here uh, in the sense that we're purposely trying to go against God and, and he's told us to do something and we're like, I'm not going to do it. But I think the way this starts to show up in, in a way in our culture, at least it can lead us toward this, is through a message that's really dominant today that tries to tell us that we're okay the way that we are. That actually, um, you're fine. What you need to do is um, trust yourself, take control of your life. You need to not let anyone tell you how to live your life. You need to just figure out what makes sense to you. And what we need to do is actually just find whatever's inside of us. And everything we need to succeed in life can just be found in me. So think about me and pursue me and you just do you. And that will get me to the place where I have actually at arrived with my purpose in life, because the purpose of life is in me. And so what I'll do in that is I'll begin to chase after what makes sense to me. I'll begin to chase after whatever I feel is right to do and whatever meets my standard. I'm trying to kind of invent my worth and value along the way. I'm trying to create my own purpose in life. And God's saying, I didn't, I didn't create you to find your own purpose. I, I gave you a purpose. Because if I'm going to have to try, try to find acceptance and love and worth and value on my own, I'm going to continually be trying to compare myself with others. Because the only way I'm going to feel valuable, the only way I'm going to feel acceptable is if I look at you and I decide, you know what? I'm better than you. I'm more acceptable than you are. I'm more lovable than you. And so that makes me feel great about myself. And I'm going to be on this rant and this run to continue to just boost my self-esteem, to build my ego, so that I basically just see myself as better than everyone else. And it's very dangerous. It's a very dangerous direction. I think that we recognize in that mind, okay, the world's not going to build me up the way I want it to, but I think maybe I can find it on my own, and I'm going to start to close myself off to everything, maybe even the direction that God would want me to go, to, go in my life, and I'm going to say, you know what, I'm just going to trust myself. I'm just going to do what makes sense to me, and I'm going to pursue me a lot of me. And I think that's going to lead to this kind of defiance. It's going to be at the place where I'm purposely rejecting anything that's going to want to change even if it's what God wants for my life. And it may be different than what I wanted or what I planned. What's so, I think, freeing, though, at this point, remember, God changing us is freeing, is that when we come to God with that, we come to God knowing that the world's not building us up and that we can't just create love and worth and value for ourselves. we come to God and we say, God, what have you made me for? I mean, will you even accept me? And he says, I'll accept you, but not because you're so acceptable, I'll accept you because of what Christ did, because he was acceptable. That the thing that I'm calling to you is actually for you to die to yourself, for you to recognize the fact that you didn't have it together, you weren't okay. But when I showed up and because of what Jesus has done, there's actually something better for you and I'm gonna give it to you. You don't have to earn it, you don't have to perform, you don't have to meet the standard, 
but really I'm gonna give it to you. If you would just acknowledge that you're not okay on your own, that the world's not gonna lead you in the direction that I wanna take you, would you follow me? Instead of you trying to find your own worth and value and acceptance, would you just lay it all down and say, I'm not acceptable, but Jesus is. I may not be lovable at times, but Christ loved me. He died for me. And so we start to push back against these as we understand what it's like to leave that way of life behind and we start to pursue Jesus. We don't have to wander around aimlessly. We don't have to live as if we're just trying to go through the motions and do what everyone else does. God's revealed himself to us. He's given us his word. He's not far off. He's not sending mixed codes to mixed signals. He's saying, I want you to know me. He's given us his Holy Spirit who indwells us and walks with us. He's given us his church. He's given us other people who are trying to follow that identity and, and pursue him more, and they can encourage us and, and push us along. We don't have to live in, in defiance, just kind of limited to ourselves. We, don't, we might start swatting away truth and wisdom when really God's trying to break through that hard shell and say, I want to change you. I want to do something different than anything you imagined for yourself. What I'm asking you to do is to actually die to yourself. I'm, a I'm asking you to lay everything aside to come follow me. That I don't want you to just pick and choose whatever is a good addition to get what you want in life. I want you to want what I want with your life. It's different. And so that's this former way of life. It's kind of just the default. It's kind of what we fall into if we don't really look or know or even desire what God wants for our lives. It's this Gentile way of thinking. Now this next part is really going to get into that practical piece. And when the Bible gets really practical, when it, when it makes something really clear, I encourage you to, to study that part of the Bible diligently and, and to try really hard um, at seeing it show up in your life. Because there, there are parts that are really difficult to understand about God in the Bible. There are things that, that are challenging and kind of take a, a, a lifetime and even have some mystery to them. But there are parts that are really like practical, parts that are, are, are simple but challenging. And, th and this is one of those parts in the Bible where I think we're just like, we're working at continuing to see this show up in our life, and it's that process of change. It's not just that God wants to change one thing about you. It's that he's inviting us in a process to change, to walk more closely with him. And so in verse 20 of Ephesians 4, Right here it says, that's however, the, that is not the way of life that you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. So the thing that interrupted this default way of life, kind of just the way of life that makes sense to me, the way of life that I'm just going on my own, the thing that interrupted that was that I had a personal encounter with Jesus, that I actually learned Christ and it set me on a new direction, a direction in life I couldn't even imagine on my own, one that I couldn't create for myself. And because I've interacted with Jesus, I, I, I haven't just learned a religion. I didn't just learn about someone, but when I learned Christ, I actually know him, that God is actually personal. It's a relationship. I'm being drawn to change because I've met someone and I've committed myself to someone and I've been invited into a relationship with someone and it's gonna require me to change, I'm learning and pursuing him. Not the way I learned Christ. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted in deceitful desires. It's that way that's just default, the way the rest of the world is going. 
to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and in holiness. This is that really practical part of the Bible. It's not trying to be tricky. It's not uh, trying to overcomplicate it. What God wants to do in our life is, is a very simple process. I think it's just hard to really get there. That what I'm actually doing when I enter that process is I'm asking God, God, who have you made me to be? Who are you calling me to be? I don't, I don't want to listen to what the world standard is. I don't want to just make up standards on my own to create some kind of worth for myself. But I would rather know what you want. Because if I'm just going to do this thing on my own, I'm probably going to miss it. I know I'm going to miss it. I'm going to come up with things that aren't worth my life. I'm going to build my identity on things that you don't want me to assign my identity to. I'm, be I'm going to begin to think of you in ways that aren't true. And so what I'm going to do is I'm actually going to position myself where I'm asking God, I'm seeking him, and I'm, I'm inviting that process into my life. And this is kind of what, what it looks like. I wanted to walk through it today. Putting off the old self. Putting off the old self. I feel like what's uh, really challenging about this is we're kind of putting it all aside. That we begin to figure out what exactly it is that God wants to change in us. A lot of the times when I think about the things I want to change, I only think about the stuff that other people see. And what I mean by that is the stuff that's just kind of external. You know, people see me at church. I'm a Christian. People see me on stage. I'm a Christian. People see me with the Bible. I must be a Christian. I'm in a life group. I must be a Christian. And you be begin to just measure yourself by these things that are external. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not doing this thing over here anymore. I'm not doing this thing anymore. I've put kind of all that away, and I'm a church person now. And what he's saying is, I don't want you to just put off activity. I want you to realize what's going on in your heart. That the change I want to do inside of you isn't just something that's going to be measurable on the outside. It's actually a work of putting off that old way of life and that old way of thinking. One of the ways that I feel like I'm doing this more often is just admitting when I recognize something that's a part of my life that God doesn't want there. Rather than kind of finding that thing and saying, oh goodness, maybe, I, maybe I'm not really following Jesus. Maybe, maybe I haven't actually measured up enough. I start to look at that, that thing that is really just a failure or something that I've done wrong or, or something that's become a normal habit in my life that I've just got, gotten kind of numb to. And I look at that and, and when, when God exposes that in me, that's one of those moments where I know I, I got to begin that process of change. That what he's actually calling me to do is make a clean break with the past. And anything that's going to keep me over here, he's saying, I, wa I want you to put that away. I want you to put away the stuff that's going to grip your heart. The things that are going to want to fight for your soul and contend um, for what you commit your life to. I think, too, we can kind of get comfortable and begin to think, I've put a few things away. And I've, I've started the process of moving closer to God, but I haven't actually done any of the deep work of understanding why I struggle with what I struggle with. What is actually going on at a heart level? What's actually happening beneath the surface? What's that, what I'm actually believing in that moment? This is where I think the next part of the process, renewing your mind, is so big. Because what we're trying to do is we're trying to understand how we think, what we actually believe in those moments. The thing that God is actually calling us to put off, it's not going to just be external. It's going to be something that I'm believing about him and about myself. One of the biggest ways that this kind of unlocked for me was our life group was going through a book. 
And the purpose of the, of the book was really to show how God changes us. And so a lot of this, this kind of language and this kind of idea was showing up. And something that was really helpful in it was this exercise that was called the root to fruit exercise. The root to fruit exercise. And what it really was supposed to do was help you understand what it is you're believing in those moments. And so the way it kind of worked, the author was writing about this time in his life where he was um, really anxious. Kind of everything wasn't going the way he expected it to go. Um, a lot of things were kind of imploding, and he just felt overwhelmed. And so the author's kind of writing about this anxiousness, and he's trying to think, what is God trying to do in me in this moment? How is he drawing me to change? And so he started kind of writing what is he thinking and believing in that moment? What's kind of going on at the heart level? And what he started to write down was, what I actually believe about myself in this moment right now is that I'm in control or that I'm supposed to be in control and I'm not. He's like, that's the reason I'm so anxious. I think this is on me. And so he's kind of like writing some of those thoughts out and he's digging a little deeper and he's saying, but where's God in all this? So he starts to be radically honest. And he starts to say, actually, what I believe in this moment right now is God's not really here. He's kind of distant. I don't even really think that God's powerful enough to do anything about this. I don't, actually don't even think God loves me right now. I kind of feel like he stopped loving me, that he would let this come into my life. So he feels like he's supposed to be in control and that God's kind of abandoned him. And he's recognizing, okay, I've kind of built this version of life where I'm supposed to be God and God's off somewhere and he's unloving and he's unpowerful and he's not present. And that was actually the moment where he actually started to enter this process, where he recognized that about God. He's not loving me. He's not powerful. He's not present. Because the thing about that is it's not true. It's not true for who he knows God to be. And so at that moment, he's entered into the process of change. Rather than saying, stop being anxious and just have peace or get your act together or take control of your life or get it all together, he actually took a minute to recognize, I've created a God that isn't true. And the thing he needed to change or repent from was his view of God because he knows that God is loving. How does he know that? Because God so loved the world that he sent his son, that he gave me his most prized possession to get me. Okay, well, how, how do I know that God's powerful? Well, because when Jesus died, he didn't just stay dead. He rose from the dead. And he rose from the grave out, a grave out of power and new life, and he's given that to me. Okay, well, how do I know that God's still with me? Because I'm pretty sure Jesus went to heaven after he rose from, from the dead. Yeah, right, he sent his Holy Spirit to be with me. And he said, I'm not alone. And so now that I'm actually reminding myself of truth and I'm renewing my mind because of, because of the thing I've been failing to believe about God, I'm actually at a place where I'm in my right identity, that I'm a child of God. I'm a part of the family of God, that I'm, I'm considered a son and I'm loved like a son or a daughter, that I'm actually more than a conqueror, as the Bible would say, in Christ because the same power that lived, that was in Christ that raised him from the dead lives in me that I'm not alone in life because the Holy Spirit is going to guide me and lead me and teach me as I try to figure out what needs to change. And so I'm actually living out my identity. Instead of just saying, stop being anxious, I'm actually now beginning to see 
the fruit of the Spirit in my life, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. And actually the problem, the anxiousness, I'm not just dealing it at a fruit level, I'm dealing with it at a root level. I'm actually making the change in my life at the place God wants me to make it. I was uh, talking with Sarah about this, and she kind of took some time this week to get a personal retreat. And uh, what that meant was she just had someone watch the kids, and uh, she spent a couple hours, I think on a hike. She just took her Bible and and a journal, and she just got a a few hours to get away. And I remember we were praying for her, a few of us, and just um, when her time was done, I remember just asking her, hey, give me a call. I want to hear what what you learned and kind of what God did during that time. And so she called me up, and I was asking, "What what is it that God taught you? And she's like, I don't really feel like in those few hours I really learned anything new. She's like, but that's okay. Because actually what I think God wanted to do with that time was to remember things I already knew about him. I kind of got to this point where I was reading through the Psalms and, and writing down things that are true about God and I was looking at him and realizing these are the things I need to believe. These are the things I need to remember. I need to renew my mind on this. They've just kind of fallen back into a way of doing life that made sense to me and God's calling me to do something different. And all I need to do is remember his truth to get there. I don't have to create my own path. I'm not looking for some silver bullet. It's not that God's being sneaky and hiding from me. It's that I need to remember the things he's already shown me and revealed to me. And that's really, really helpful, I think, for us to hear because that's the moments where I see the biggest change happen in my life. Not when I kind of um, manage my life so well that everyone just is so impressed um, with how much I've learned and how much I know. But when I come to the point where I recognize I'm actually not believing something about God that's true. When a lie or a fear or a doubt or an insecurity is present in my life and it's just been sitting there beneath the surface. I haven't done anything about it. And I've just tried to figure it out on my own and try to build myself up instead of actually reminding myself of truth. Giving that over to God, remembering who I am as his son. That's a huge part of this renewing your mind is kind of just recognizing there's going to be parts of me that, that God wants to remove so I can be set free. And so if I'm going to put on the new self, I have to first put off the old self. I can't just add Jesus into my life and continue on this direction. He's wanting me to move in a totally different direction. And he's saying, all this stuff, I, I want it to be gone. What I want you to do as you embrace this new identity is I don't want people to actually remember you for being awesome, Josh. I don't want people to even think about Josh Taylor when they see you. What I want them to do is I want them to see Christ. That the more you actually embrace that calling, people are going to forget about you. And it's going to be awesome. They're not going to remember you. They're not going to say how awesome your message was. They're going to be left dwelling on Christ. They're not going to be coming to your life group to say how great of a teacher you are. They're going to be left thinking about Jesus. They're going to be drawn to me. If you do this the right way, if you embrace the life I've called you to live, it's actually not going to be about you. It's going to be about me. And that's the greatest purpose I can give you, Josh. That's the greatest thing I could call you to is the thing that I've designed, this kingdom and this world that I've built, I want to invite you to be a part of that. I want you to be a part of what I'm up to. As I was talking with Pastor Jeff about this, I was kind of just 
wondering what is it really that we need to take away from this new identity. We're, we're kind of trying to figure out how does change look and really what is it that, as I was talking with Pastor Jeff, like what do we really want people to take home? And I feel like one of the big things was understanding that this actually isn't what God made us for, that we have a new identity we're accountable to, that as we become more like Christ, it's, it's something that I'm not just walking more closely with him, but I actually have a responsibility to live out. That if people are going to see me, I don't want anything to keep people back from seeing Christ in my life. Am I representing him well? Is there anything in my life that I need to put off to actually put on Christ more? And it got me thinking, you know, I, I want to represent Christ well. And I, I'm at this part now in my sermon where I'm writing, I'm thinking, man, what's keeping me from getting to this moment? And I think what happens is we begin to settle into a part of life where we don't really want to engage that process, but rather what we start convincing ourselves with God is that, you know what, I kind of want my life just to stay the way it is, God, and I don't really want you to make too many changes. I'll change the things that are like must. Like I'll kind of hit the bare minimum. I'll, I'll get in kind of by the skin of my teeth. But um, I kind of want my life to be the way it's always been. I don't really want you to change anything. I kind of like living for myself. I kind of like doing what everyone else does. And God's saying, that's not what I've called you to. I don't, I don't just want a part of your life. I want all of it. I want you to understand this new identity, this new calling is worth giving all yourself to. It's something that I want you to actually pursue me and not just the things that make you look religious. It's a lifelong pursuit. And if we're pursuing him and continuing to know him and, and work out that relationship and understand how do I walk more closely with him, then I'm not going to just pick and choose the parts of him that I want to interact with. As you go on in Ephesians 4, I'd encourage you to do it maybe tonight or sometime this week. Um, the rest of chapter 4 gives some practical examples of what it looks like to put off the old self and to put on the new self. It talks about things like anger and bitterness and um, unwholesome talk. And there's just kind of a few examples. It's not the whole list, but really there's a verse that sticks out there. It's verse 30. And it says, In all this... Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Now what is actually happening in that moment is I'm, I'm being brought to a choice. When I realize I've failed to believe something about God or I'm, I'm given the option to pursue what I want versus what God wants, I'm being brought to a moment to make a decision. I've actually had to kind of explain this to my three-year-old, which is very challenging to do. He's had some three-year-old moments where there's kind of... Um, Moments we, he, he has to make the right choice, <laughs> and he's not. And so the way we keep kind of like trying to draw him to see the contrast that he's making, kind of fight for his heart in, in those moments of toddler decision-making um, is by showing that contrast. And so it sounds like this. It kind of sounds like, buddy, what's more important, winning that race or the way your friend feels? Is you, is you screaming at them and, and, or gloating that you won actually showing them that you care about them more than winning. Buddy, is, is that T-shirt that you want to wear today, is it more important than mom and what she's trying to do? 
but he is, is wanting that snack and just choosing to not listen to me, showing me that you love me, that you trust me, or are you just kind of thinking about yourself? And it's simple, I know, but I feel like that's kind of where I get at in this moment. I kind of get to that point of where I'm, I'm torn between what I want and what God wants, and I don't really trust him. I don't really think that he has something better for me. I don't really know if it's going to be more worthwhile than what I could give myself to. I think that what I want to do makes a lot of sense. And there's just been these few times in my life where I've really brought, been brought to that contrast. And I'm thankful when others help me see that. They kind of can look outside of my life and can kind of speak to it and say, it seems like you're really just wanting to do what you want and God's asking you to do something different. I'm like, ah, oh, thanks. <laughs> I appreciate that. It's a lifelong pursuit. I don't just change once, but I'm actually allowing God to continue to change me. I don't ever get complacent or comfortable. That what, whatever it is you have next, I want that. I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm anticipating. I'm inviting the change because I don't want to miss out on what you have for me. Maybe um, this has gotten you thinking. I've been talking with people in between services and just a lot of people wondering. I don't, I don't really know what it is. I, I just, they kind of feel stuck and they're still praying about it. And I'd encourage you maybe, maybe to pray some of this even just in, in the space we're about to have and, and take a moment to ask yourself some of these questions. Am I consciously doing the work of putting off the old self and putting on the new self? Or am I just kind of believing that I'm okay the way that I am and doing the bare minimum to just be perceived as a Christian? Am I actually looking for what God wants to do next, or am I kind of fine just staying over here? It's just the default way of living. It's just what we fall into and we don't think about it. Am I consciously looking for what God's asking for? Or am I just thinking he's okay with the way I am and he's not really interested? It's not true. I'd maybe also ask myself, am I allowing him to define and direct every part of my life? Or, or are there parts of, of me that I'm kind of holding on to and I'm resisting change? I haven't really asked God what he wants to do in that area because I'm afraid of what he'll say. I'm afraid of what he'll ask from me if I, if I start to go there, if I go to that point. And maybe I actually already even know and I'm just kind of pretending like he's okay with just having a part of me. He wants all of me. And so I just pray that. I, we didn't have time today to nitpick everything that God wants to change in you because that's just not how it is. He's drawing you to himself. It's just, do you want it? Are you inviting that? Or are you trying to do it on your own? It's hard. That's why it's important to pause, to reflect, to ask ourselves those questions. And so I encourage you to do that today or even this week. And I just pray that God would show up and, um, and show that to you. So let's pray. God, I, I thank you so much just that you don't leave us alone in, in, in this life and that you show up and you rescue us from this former way of living, that the thing that just everyone else goes through the motions doing, that what we in our limited perspective try to do to create purpose in our life, you just have something so much better and it's hard to believe that at times, God. And I pray what, what we, would, we would do is we would see you more clearly. 
that we, we would understand the things you want to do in us, that they kind of happen at a heart level. I pray that we wouldn't grow comfortable. I pray that we wouldn't be living just as if we don't know what to do or unengaged from you or even defiant. I just pray that you would, you would gently invite us into that process, that even today you would help us to have some clarity around what you're calling us to next. We don't want anything to keep us from you, God. We don't, we don't want anything to be more valuable than you. We don't want to be at a place where we're unwilling to put something off to put you on. Help us to remember your truth. Help us to see you for who you really are. And would you just give us the grace and mercy when we fail, when we fall short, to come back to you, to trust you. And I pray in Jesus' name, amen.